is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Back from the bye, we are Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Kicking into gear the last stretch of seven games for the Saints. And it'll be week 12 in Atlanta. Coming back from the break. Uh, the most hated of hatred rivals in the NFC South, the Dirty Birds. It's always great to strum up uh, Saints fans uh, with any kind of fun little Falcons tidbits to knock them off their pedestal. But this matchup, I think we kind of expected them to be right there with this Saints squad and for these final two games to mean something. And it, it the NFL is in, uh, did a good job here, I think, obviously, because – it looks like we could be on a collision course to the end of the season where this game does mean something. So hopefully the Saints end up taking the first one from them, obviously right off the bat. Yeah, well, I will say, like, I'm disappointed in Bobby because he's had all season to come up with something better than the NFC Douth, which isn't a word. And he hasn't done it. I keep waiting. I keep waiting. And, like, NFC Soft is right there. And he, he can't, he keeps going, <laughs> NFC doubt. I'm like, that's not a word. But anyway, but that's. I always thought he was going for doubt and it just he, comes out I doubt. He is, but like, that's not how that, like NFC least works because it's the East and you add a letter to it and it's a word. Doubt is not a word. It means nothing. <laughs> but that, NFC South. not like that. Yeah. You can go with NFC South and you can still say sow and then. I think I just want you to pitch that to him uh, next time. Next time you're on air and see what he says, because I think that's better. I think you should start going with that, because that's what it is. This is just soft, soft as baby poop division, right? This that is all this is. What, what do you mean five and five? We're not superpowers atop the, the the South and looking down at the the four and six peons. If all we were talking about was the <laughs> NFL South, then yes, you could say that. But unfortunately, there are several of the divisions, <laughs> um, most of which are far more competitive, not all of them, but most of them. And uh, so, yeah, so this is where we're at. And yeah, we did, t- we took a couple days off there for, for the bye week. I felt like my mental health needed a couple days away. I wasn't tweeting. I wasn't really doing anything related to Saints football. And I think it helped. Like I feel made better about myself right now. You know, I went and saw a Marvel movie by myself at one in the afternoon on a Friday but, uh, good decision. Movie kind of was lame, but it was a good decision either way. But yeah, so that's kind of what we're going to be getting into. Is kind of it's kind of a reset, right? It was a reset for the Saints. It's going to be kind of a reset for us. We're going to in this first segment break down the latest injury news with Mike Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Derek Carr had a couple signings this week. We'll get into that. The second segment, I want to kind of talk about. So, what are some of the keys that this Saints team has to hit? You know, what are the notes they have to hit? to make sure the final seven games is not a rerun of the first 10 games. And I think that there are some pretty obvious things they can improve on to make, make that, make that 
look better, make things look more secure and and win some games convincingly, right? And beat bad teams, right? If all you are is a team that beats bad teams, you are a playoff team, right? And and this season was always going to be make the playoffs and see what happens. And I think that you're you're still in position to do that. So we're going to talk about that. And then the final segment, I do want to talk about, okay, what is kind of the history of five and five teams and, and, and going into the playoffs, making deep playoff runs, stuff like that. Also kind of resetting the deck about what's left on the schedule and what our expectations should be as they go into this run of just bad teams, right? Like this is the final seven games, you got a lot of bad teams on that, on that list. Um, you know, I don't argue more bad teams on the back end than they had on the front end, which people talk about how easy the schedule was. I think it ended up being a little bit more difficult in stretches than you probably anticipated, but we will, we'll get into that. The first bit of news is Mike Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Thomas dealing with a knee injury, Marshawn Lattimore dealing with an ankle injury. And, you know, I think it was fair to wonder, you know, this was the first press conference back, you know, so you had that kind of week where it was like, okay, with that extra week, are you going to be in a situation where maybe that extra week allowed you to get better and be healthy and be on time and be able to get out to practice? But based on what Dennis Allen said, it really doesn't sound like that. And so here's here's what he said. Today. Both of those guys are, um, you know, going through the rehab process and, and – uh, you know, I think they'll probably miss some time. Yeah, anytime you're just talking about like vague missing time this early in the week, that's not a good sign for the availability. Um, he said he wouldn't he wouldn't go into whether the, either player was an IR candidate, something they, they're going to have to figure out. But I think you're probably going to see one of those players go on IR. Probably, you know, the high ankle sprains are tough, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if Marshawn Lattimore ends on IR. Either way, it's going to be... You know, these next seven games, you're trying to figure out how to get to the playoffs. You're trying to gain some momentum and not having Mike or Marshawn for however long that is definitely a pretty big blow to that. Real big bummer, um, you know, with with both of them. Obviously, Marshawn, one of the key leaders of that defense, uh, brings that all pro uh, level to a secondary that's been good this year. But he's definitely that leader leader of that pack over there. And, man, you talk about with Michael Thomas, I think – I don't want to say he did better than expected this season, but I, I thought he was steady Eddie. You know you know what you could get from Mike. And uh, I know he was frustrated at times, obviously, in this offense. I think a lot of people were. But o- overall, I, I was liking his production this season and what, what he brought to that offense. As, as I thought Carr was getting – <laughs> like that realization, like if I need something, Mike's there and and was something he could lean on because he, there was nobody else over the middle to go to that he was at least going to. I mean, the first two throws of that game were to Mike in, in, in you know, in contested situations, right? Like that's clearly comfortability that was growing there. And yeah, so that's that's frustrating. I do think that, you know, if Mike had a serious knee injury that that required surgical remediation is the term I'm going to use, then we would know about it by now. Right. So like we haven't, you haven't seen any reporting about, okay, it's a tear or it's a this or it's a that. And I think that's a good sign. I don't, I think that if this was something that you expected him to miss a, the, a good chunk of the remainder of the season, we would know about it by now and you would have put him on injured reserve and you would go from there. To me, he's probably the guy I'd expect back first. 
Um, ankle injuries are tough. We, we know that from Mike, right? Like you don't want to be in a situation where you're rushing Marjan back and that impacts not only this season, but maybe next season. Right. So I think that's going to be the one that you're a little more careful with. Yeah. But Marshawn got to be able to run. So does Mike, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like these are positions where you don't, you know, your ankles are obviously very important. They're important ankle everywhere. Knees, but, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I, I think that you're probably playing it safe with Mike as opposed to Marshawn where the, the rehab process is going to be a little longer. I will say the thing that makes Marshawn's situation a little easier to stomach is I think the Saints are very comfortable with Ike Adam and Alante Taylor as the potential fill-ins for Marshawn. The question I have is, are you better off throwing Ike Adam out there the way you did in the first four games or whatever it was when Paulson Adebo was out? Or with the extra time this past week, shifting Alante outside full-time and figuring out the best option in the slot. Because, and I think we've talked about this, I don't think Alante has thrived in the slot. And I think this is kind of a good opportunity to see what he has on the outside and what that pairing of Paulson Adebo and Alante Taylor will look like. You know, we saw it in stretches last year, but I'd like to see Alante kind of come into his own and, and play. So I wouldn't be surprised if you move like an Ugo Amadi or maybe a Jordan Howden, maybe just kind of see what he has in the slot. But I, I think you're probably going to lean toward Ugo Amadi. Um, but based on what DA said today, I think that's that may be where you're leaning. Because when he, when he was asked about it, he said, there will be somebody playing out there. Well, I have a plan for guys to go in there and play. I think we've got some good options in the secondary, guys that can play corner, nickel, those types of things. Now, Ike isn't a nickel corner. Ike is an outside corner. So, and he was asked, the question he was answering was whether you were going to turn to Ike in that role, the same way you turned to him when Paulson was out. And he responded with a note about guys who can play outside in the nickel. So to me, I think that indicates that you're leaning toward Alante and, you know, maybe that is your best option and you go from now. Either way, that's going to be something to watch. It's going to be a big factor over the next few games because, you know, Marshawn's able to take away one side of the field, whichever side you want to take away, he's going to take it away. I don't think teams are going to be as hesitant to throw at Ike Adam. In fact, I know they won't be because he's had people throwing at his way relentlessly when Paulson was out, right? He played well. But that's going to be a factor. If you can't shut down the passing game the way you have, then things are going to get a lot more difficult for you. You you, you went through, obviously, everything uh, going on with the cornerback spot, possibly, you know, with Marshawn having to miss time. But then you also, too, look with wide receiver that uh, brought up that Marquez Callaway back in, back in the locker room for the black and gold. Yeah, Marquez is back. Mr. Callaway. You know, I walked in there and I saw him. And I was like, who is that guy? He looks familiar, but I don't right. know. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we've, seen, we've seen him plenty. You know, he was with the Broncos earlier this season. I think he latched on maybe the Seahawks. I can't recall. He was on a different practice squad for a couple weeks and then got cut. And so, yeah, they brought him back. They also re-signed Keith Kirkwood, who was cut prior to week 10 to make room for Adam Prentice. Adam Prentice was now, is now on the practice squad. So, yeah, those are the two options that you have. And, you know, he's a guy who knows the offense. It's not going to be much of a ramp up for him. So that's helpful. And, yeah, if it is a if it is like a one to two week thing you're expecting to be without Mike, then that makes sense. And you can get a guy who you are going to trust if you do need to call on him. I think A.T. Perry is going to continue to be the right, guy. Right. That was I was going with that next. 
yeah, that you fill in there with. But yeah, Marquez is is obviously kind of an option. I wouldn't be surprised if Keith Kirkwood ends up being inactive and you bring up Marquez anyway. Um, but you know, that's yeah, that's going to be something. The other guy they signed, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, onto the practice squad. You know, it's it's what you would expect. He's a veteran player. The DA used the term skins on the wall, which, you know, is a Bobby Bear special. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear that one. And yeah, I think it's just a question, okay, what is what does JPP have left in the tank? I think he'll be a practice squad call-up this week. And then, you know, as DA said, it's basically like, okay, and then you move forward and maybe there's a spot on the active roster. Um, I think it is likely he ends up on the active roster. And the question is, who falls in the rotation um, to make room for him? Isaiah Foskey, you'd imagine is hopeful. You're hopeful to get him back. He didn't go on IR. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting, an interesting numbers game as you go down the stretch is how do you get Jason Pierre-Paul on the field if he is up to the level where you feel like you want to be playing him? Does Tano Passigno's role kind of get limited in some way? Um, obviously, Cam, I think you're going to dial back his snaps somewhere. Um, but yeah, so JPP, uh, I'm excited to see him out there. Yeah, definitely curious to see what a guy like him brings right now. I, I think we talked about a little bit. You're not expecting, you know, him to be that wrecking ball of a guy he was before because, come on, the guy was just, you know, sitting on his couch. I don't know about sitting on his couch, but he was at home not playing any football for the first half of this season. And so he's not coming in to, you know, amp up these sack numbers that have been lacking for the Saints. But if he can provide some kind of spark or help give, you know, depth and relief to the guys in the rotation, definitely all about it because what, what else has to lose right now? Because I just, you know, I think Dennis Allen talked about it today too. Just, they want to amp up the pressures. They want to amp up uh, the amount of, you know, those sack numbers against quarterbacks because they have not been able to hit home on them. Maybe you know, they've gotten pressures, but man, the, those sacks, the, the the numbers haven't been there this season, which is really odd considering the turnover numbers were up. It will affect the quarterback a little bit more from a pressure standpoint. Um, I don't think it's been um, what we need it to be. Um, and so, you know, that's obviously something that, that, you know, we've put a, put a lot of thought into and, and, uh, we'll need to affect the quarterback more from a pressure standpoint, you know, in the second half of the season. Yeah. And I mean, I think they, they have put pressure on quarterbacks to some extent. And like you mentioned, yeah, the, the interception numbers are up. It's not like you hit the quarterback every time he throws an interception, but, when you put pressure on quarterback, make them make some questionable decisions, and you have the defensive right, back can go faster. Right, like so. Th- there, there is a there is a level to which you're kind of like, okay, you know, even if you don't get a sack here, you are affecting the equation in in a way that's positive and allows your defensive backs to make plays. That hasn't happened enough, right? You haven't seen that enough, even though the interception numbers are there. There's just too many times where you're just seeing a quarterback stand in the pocket, and it's really the difference between. You know, like there was a third down play in the in that game against the Vikings uh, on opening drive, right? Third and five. Derek Carr, he's kind of waiting. He has Rashid coming across the middle. He has Juwan Johnson ready to break open on the backside, but he gets pressure right in his face, and and he's not able to extend that play, right? And so if he can extend for maybe a half second, Rashid can clear the linebacker and you can hit him, and it's a first down. Maybe he maybe breaks a tackle and runs for a touchdown. Instead, it's 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 a you know not a throwaway. He tried to make the throw, but he was unable to because he had a guy in his face and he missed. Right, and that's the difference between a defensive line that disrupts the play and forces you to go off schedule, 
and a defensive line that allows you to move around and extend plays. And then guys come open, right? Then you can create off schedule. And that's what the Saints have allowed way too much on defense and haven't done well enough on offense. So that's why you bring in a guy who is not, like I think we talked about this last week, he's not going to be a rundowns guy. He's going to be a situational pass rusher if he is on the field. And it is directly aimed at, we have to generate more pressure. We are not getting it done with how we're doing it. And do you, do you add him as kind of a Sam linebacker, right? He's played outside linebacker. He, he probably could fill that role if you're, if you're talking about third and long where you're looking at pass downs or you're going to bring five. You know, stuff like that, I think you're going to get a little more creative. The same way you did last year when Marshawn was out and you ended up with Caden Ellis kind of racking up sacks in the second half of the season. So that's going to be one thing. One more note before we move on. Derek Carr, still in the concussion protocol. I, I very much expect him to play. I do not think that it's going to be an issue in terms of he's going to be out of practice on Wednesday. He'll probably be limited. Um, but that's kind of just the steps of clearing the concussion protocols. You have to go through practices. And so they can't, you, you can't clear the concussion protocol without practicing. So regardless of how he feels right now, He's still in the protocol. He has to get through a practice first before he can be cleared. So I don't know at what point this week he's going to be cleared, but based on what we're hearing and, you know, any, everything else, I don't expect that. Like, I think he's going to start this week, and I don't think there's much question within the building that he's going to start this week. But, like, the protocol is the protocol, and you have to go through the steps. I think he's fine. Um, so that's that's at least some positive injury news, unless you are a Jameis stan and wanted to see Jameis. I don't think you're going to see Jameis. No, I know we're not going to see Taysom. I can't get enough of him as it is now. We're going to see Taysom. I mean, he's not going to start, but we're going to see Taysom, especially you better see Taysom in this matchup because if there's any team in the NFL <laughs> that has been unable to – like one of no. the things you look – don't you, tell your silly stats to Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen. They don't want to hear them. Well, it's not even about those stats. I don't. I think that stat is stupid. It's not a. It's just kind of an arbitrary number. Where like, oh, if you got six rushes instead of seven, then your odds that doesn't change anything. You you want to use him, and if it ends up being seven, that's great. One of the wins he's had, he where he had an impact was last year in Week One, where he ran for like eighty three yards on something like three carries, but he changed the game when he got in there. And so like, if you go back and I'm, I'm going to pull these stats together for the, for later in the week, I don't have them right now, but you know, the, one of the things about division matchups is they know what you're going to do, right? Like that's, that's the, there's the wild card of some of these matchups. You go and face the Vikings, you don't face them every year. And so you're kind of trying to scout and figure out what they're going to do. And you're not familiar with the offense, this and that these teams know each other. These teams know what the other team is trying to do and they still can't stop Taysom Hill. Right, like they've been trying to figure that out for years, and they haven't stopped it. So no, this matchup, killer, of all the matchups where you could be like, I wonder if they're going to use Taysom Hill and how much. This 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 is a matchup where there's no way you go into it without Taysom being a huge part of the game plan. Not a, not not a situational part of your game plan. A huge part, right? I don't care about seven. He should get 10 carries. He should be here running back for Christ's sakes. I don't care. This is a game where you have to get Taysom Mill involved um, in whatever way that looks early and often um, because they haven't stopped him. They've had game. It doesn't matter whether he's starting. doesn't matter whether he's with Drew Brees. doesn't matter whether he's with Jameis Winston. 
doesn't matter. What was it? Trevor Simeon and the other one? Like, they can't stop him. So, yeah. I don't know. That's a tangent. But, yep. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, too, uh, you know, Ryan Nielsen's game plan for attacking the Saints. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's going to be something. Yeah. I want to get into that more on Wednesday, but it's that's going to be obviously a really fascinating subplot of this game. Yeah. Um, in terms of how the Saints adjust to a guy who knows what they want to do offensively. Everything right? they want to do, right? Knows everything. <laughs> um, like, you know, he, he knows the signals, right? He knows, you know, they're going to have to figure out ways to adjust. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I mean, the Panthers, I mean, sorry, not the Panthers, the, the Falcons are in just as bad shape as the Saints in terms of what they've done the last several weeks. You're going to have Desmond Ritter back in there. Taylor Heineke started two games. I'm disappointed in that. Actually, I'm not. I think the Saints are better off facing Desmond Ritter than than Taylor Heineke. Personally. I don't know anymore just because of Heineke's, uh, uh, I mean, Ritter's mobile ability scares me now. They're going to run regardless. It's not <laughs> like, like they, you know they're going to run. It's not a question of whether Ritter can be mobile. I, Ritter doesn't scare me in the slightest. I'm not worried about Desmond Ritter at, at all. Um, I, I didn't think Josh Dobbs was going to look like um, Michael Vick running to the outside. So I, I, I hope that Ritter doesn't either. Either Ritter's doesn't. He's not that type of runner. You know, he's he's closer to a Cam Newton kind of runner. You know what I mean? Like like there's there's kind of jitterbug quarterbacks where they're you know like Lamar where it's like he's he's just more athletic than you and he's gonna like juke you and get out of the way. Like Desmond is more of a big a big strong running quarterback where if you give him space he's gonna he's gonna take it. But he's not going to be like kind of juking people in the backfield and doing all that. Um, I actually don't think Desmond is as good of an athlete as people give him credit for. But we'll, we'll see. He did run for a touchdown against the Cardinals in that game that they lost to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about, okay, what do the Saints need to do over these next seven games? Like, what do they need to do better? over these next seven games to, to to make the playoffs and get there and feel like they have a chance to do something. I don't know. Um, but this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. We'll be right back. 